We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Keep staying tight. Yep. Keep staying tight. Let's go. Let's keep competing, bro. Let's go. He's got the snap. Steps. Throws for Higgins. And it's incomplete as Denzel Ward was all over. Hey! Come on, man. Hey, this is our s***. This is our s***, man. Yeah, it's up. Yeah, it's up. Go run, boy. Oh, Eliza. This is Eliza. That's a good f***ing run. It's a good f***ing run, boy. Uh-oh, I got to watch this. Second down. It's a draw. Here comes Watson running. Ten. Corner. Five. Touchdown! Some highlights there from Greg Newsom's mic'd up on the Browns YouTube channel. Clearly a group that is very confident and will have an opportunity to prove that confidence once again in week two. In this podcast, I'm going to join Corey Kennan, who is doing his own podcast. You know, Corey used to be with us at the OBR, is now doing Browns Wire, leading that effort, is doing his own podcast, which airs every other day, sometimes Four times a week, he aims for three, does a great job. Nothing rhymes with orange. I get with Corey when I can, when time permits. So this episode is really built on wrapping up our thoughts on Browns Bengals. There's a lot to uh, break down here. It will pair well with yesterday's comprehensive All-22 breakdown on both sides of the ball that I did in the podcast form. And then you're going to have the notes with video attached for OBR subscribers up at the website today so you can find it there a lot of great content from your Tuesday and now your Wednesday to really understand what exactly happened in the Browns 24-3 win over the Cincinnati Bengals in a great season opener we're going to start to shift our attention to the NFL in its entirety in your next podcast on Thursday and then Friday start to, to pinpoint some things about the Steelers and before you know it it'll be pretty close to game day again a reminder it's pushed back to monday but nonetheless exciting stuff ahead great show with Corey here so let's get going with the latest obr film breakdown watson turns rolls out to the right looks open touchdown harrison bryant wide open the tight end on the right side and with nine Left to go in the ball game. It's beginning to feel like a Browns win today. Okay, guys, welcome in. Before we get to today's show with Corey in a moment here, I want to talk about some moves the Browns made 
uh, along their roster, right? We knew Jack Conklin had confirmed his ACL, MCL, so the Browns shift him over to IR. I am sure we'll hear more in the coming days about the ramifications of losing Jack, what it means to the team, and, you know, they'll start to, to pinpoint some of his future. We'll see how that shakes out over time, and we'll hopefully be able to figure out that Jack is able to come back and be a contributing member of the next year of his contract, which is already locked in to be a nice chunk of change. So you hope they can find some use of that. Uh, in, in response to that move of Conklin, they did elevate Michael Dunn to the active roster, which is not a surprise because now it gives you James Hudson specifically as your swing tackle should anything happen to Dewan Jones or Jedrick Wills. And then he has inside flexibility too, but Michael Dunn provides the primary interior backup for both guards. And then Nick Harris, uh, obviously there to play center if needed. We could see Luke Whipler be active. He was in a game day inactive. We'll see what comes of that, but I'm not surprised to see that call up. There was a surprise sign, not really a surprise. You knew they needed to add a tackle when they moved on from Tyron Wheatley, that if something came up, they would need to add a tackle. They did in Ty Nishke, who they brought over, uh, as a free agent, obviously, but was with the Rams last year, the Cowboys the year before that, nine-year veteran in the NFL, so he's got a ton of experience. He was in Washington for a long time, and that's where he crossed over with Bill Callahan in 2015-2016. Came into the NFL in 2012, UDFA with the Colts. He's pretty old. I mean, he's 37, about to turn 38 at the end of October. So really just a practice squad depth piece that has quality experience should he need to be elevated to the active roster in any situation. If you're looking at just last year, 424 snaps, he only allowed three sacks in those 424 snaps, eight pressures allowed, 70.6 overall grade, 80.7 in pass blocking, 67.5 in run blocking. We all know Sean McVay and the Rams run a relatively similar system predicated on West Coast and a lot of wide zone stuff, so it shouldn't be wholly unfamiliar uh, to him coming over to Cleveland, and, and it's just probably a big verbiage thing, right? So getting ready, understanding the playbook, how they call things, all that. He'll need a couple weeks to ramp up. Wouldn't surprise me to see him as an active player on the roster by sort of like week six, week seven, maybe a little earlier if they get any sort of bigger pinch with injuries, but feels like he's a down-the-line active piece of the roster should anything happen. Otherwise, uh, breaking stuff around the league today, not a ton. We did find out Deontay Johnson, which again, we'll talk with Pittsburgh uh, specific stuff Friday. He is going to miss a few weeks, has a hamstring injury, suffered against the 49ers. I have started to watch that tape specifically the, the Steelers' offense, and it was really, really rough. That was a uh, about as bad a first half as you could possibly have for the Steelers against the 49ers, and it really didn't get a ton better in the second half. Now losing Hayward, now losing Deontay Johnson for a few weeks. They're going to be really battle-tested. Now they're going to come out hungry and ready to answer the bell. The Browns will have to answer it as well, but it is, um, you know, talent is talent. Deontay Johnson and Cam Hayward are irreplaceable in terms of what's on their roster. If you look around the NFL, things in the live wire, I like to use the live wire as a means to keep up on my daily what's going on around the NFL with the Browns. We have that up every single day at the OBR. Uh, a lot more respect in power rankings. Ed, you, would, you know, you would obviously expect that, jumping up the rankings in several different places nationally. The offensive tackle pass block win rate stuff has been released where John Conklin was really good and then also... Um, in uh, the snaps that were there for Dewan Jones in 14 snaps, he had 100% pass block win rate. So that helps a little bit too, and even did so with less double team percentage stuff there as well. Uh, also, Tommy Togiai, back to the practice squad, comes back from Jacksonville, so he will join the practice squad as he was released just last week. And in order to make that happen, as well as Nishi getting to the practice squad, they released Lorenzo Burns. Um, you know, my, my long-distant cousin, cornerback Lorenzo Burns, is no longer with the team. So pour one out for the Burns family. Otherwise, that's it. Not a ton else going on around your Cleveland Browns. 
It is going to be interesting to see how they navigate some of these depth things. Who's active on the game day roster? We got a lot to talk about. We're going to get to pretty much all of it with Corey Kennan wrapping up our collective thoughts. Uh, both of us spending time around the All Twenty Two. I like to talk to somebody who really consumed it the way I did. So Corey does a great job, as you know. And uh, I think you're going to learn everything you need to know about this game, and we can kind of bury it and move on from it and look forward. So exciting stuff. Let's get over now to our um, interview with Corey. I think, again, Nothing Rhymes with Orange. Make sure you're checking that podcast out, adding it to your library. I think Corey does a really nice job and gets some good guests as well. So keep that in mind. Continue to rate and review this podcast. I appreciate you guys a ton for doing that, continuing to do so. It's helping Browns fans find the pod. Now, we are going to get over to that interview with Corey Kinnon, but before we do so, here is a word from our ever-important sponsors of the OBR Film Breakdown. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hype for all the fun you've had. Listen, the Browns have the Titans coming in in Week 3. There's a chance these guys could be 2-0 and coming back to Cleveland for a home game. You should be looking ahead at buying those tickets, and game time is the right place to do it. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last-minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats, like I said, before you buy them. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds, and they're sent directly to your phone. All right, so you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that Game Time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets. Create an account and use the promo code OBR for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Jake. So we got we got tape to talk about. We have week one regular season tape to talk about. I, I'm pretty optimistic about it. I mean, you, it's hard not to be optimistic when you come out 24-3 against a team that's gone to back-to-back AFC championship games and won back-to-back AFC North titles. But 
but let's just go through this position by position, obviously. And then, and then when we finish the offense, let's just recap play caller offense in general at the end of that as well. But, but start at the quarterback. I, I want to hear your thoughts, the college quarterback himself. Uh, how did you leave? What were you, how did you leave after you watched the all 22 on Deshaun Watson? Where's your confidence level at? I think that it was a, a rougher game weather-wise than people understand. I mean, pretty much everyone that's involved in that game has said it. Burrow said he couldn't hold the ball. Watson said it was one of the, the tougher gripping aspect games he's ever been involved in. Stefanski mentioned it was like sheets and not raindrops. So we can gloss over it and you can tell yourself like, hey, this is how it's going to be in the AFC North. And all of that is like remarkably true. I'm not arguing that, but you also have to take into account that element of an analyzing play so like that's a part of it right i think that's a fair part of it that you have to reference what i will say is that i thought for the most part you know there was some some graphic data out there about plays in which the defense didn't perfectly cover the offense and i thought the offense was fine now i think Corey, just my opinion um that they did some game plan alterations when they figured out this is this is the weather they were going to be dealing with so Mm -hmm a bit more dense in things that they have traditionally done that we might not love, right? Like we want to see them get away from a little less wide zone, a little less bootleg stuff. Uh, they just, it felt to me like they, they figured out that they weren't going to be able to do some of maybe the creative things or the sit back pocket throw type stuff because of the weather and altered course a little bit there. Right. So mm-hmm. um, from Watson's perspective, there were some throws that were just ugly or off, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I don't think you can even argue that in the, in the slightest bit, he's got to, he seems amped up the feet, the base are getting a little wonky. And I don't think the arm is quite, I don't know how to put this in the right phrasing. I'm not a, I'm not a hell bent. Your feet have to be right to make every throw type of guy. But when your arm is sort of rushing through, because I don't think he's seeing everything quite perfectly. He's getting there. It's getting more comfortable. I do think there's some times where I notice he doesn't quite trust his offensive line, which I know you and I will talk about. So he rushes through the point at which he's like, oh, okay, see it open or starting to feel it open. Now I got to get the ball out. And his body isn't quite keeping up. The lower portion, the uncoiling, isn't quite keeping up with the arm. And that's why you're seeing some grounded balls, right? The, those mm-hmm. ones that are hitting the turf too soon. Uh, if you recall, that happened a little bit in the Houston game when he first came back, some of the same sort of effect. So I think he saw the game fine. Um, he made enough throws in that weather to make it uh, worth everybody's time, right? But I just think he's he knows this. He's got to be better um, completing some of those bigger throws when they when they need them, especially like I know you saw you studied the tape too. There's a backside dig he's got to hit. Um, there's a couple throws on the front side on a curl he missed in a window. Like he's just got to hit those, and I have faith that he'll find a way to make more of those than miss them. And you know, you take into account the jacked up week one stuff here and you take into account, um, you know, some of the weather elements. And I don't think, like I said, I don't think it's very hard to, to see why things went a bit awry, but he did enough to win. So it's hard to really be grumpy about it at the same time. And there's some decisions I think we would all want back, right? Like the right. ball that he ended up getting tipped, intercepted, rolling to the left. He, he probably completes that throw, but I would prefer, hey, man, it's second and 10. Let's fight another down. Right. Take that running play in front of you, take six, seven yards and and fight for another down. So, um, listen, it's early. It's still some stuff he's getting used to again. I wasn't discouraged, but I think it was like a C, C plus game from him. I'm curious your thoughts. I'm pretty similar. I thought 
a lot on, you know, the first half they tried, they tried to, to be a little bit more creative offensively. I think you're right about the weather. And then uh, it's, it's a pretty good thing to fall back on when you can kind of fall back onto old trends, like just spamming wide zone uh, and still be mm-hmm. able to block it really well and still dominate. Like teams know it's coming and they're still either front side blocking it really well or washing it enough for Nick Chubb to have a, a backside cut and gash him for 10 yards. So it's nice to know they can still do that if they need to. Uh, but, but I agree with you. Um, Again, I thought his eyes were relatively crisp, and that's why I have, I would say it's probably a C-plus game, and I probably got a B confidence level, like an 85% confidence level at this point, because I did think there are times where, yeah, you should probably get to your flat a little bit quicker. You should probably find your hot a little bit quicker. Uh, But it just seems like he's just trying to stand in there and make a play. Uh, It seems like, I think it's a confidence thing. I think it's a, I have to prove it kind of thing to some extent as well. Like, no, I I can make this throw. Uh, You you know, I've, I've been through so much shit you know, that he put himself through, but uh, <laughs> that I, I have to come out the other side and I have to prove that I'm still, you know, the, a, a better player, better person, blah, 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 blah. But uh, that Elijah Moore throw that was picked off, yeah, probably completes it, but you shouldn't, I mean, you're throwing behind your body on the run. Like, sure, you're yeah. flipping your hips and you're trying to reset your feet there, but it, it's not a safe throw regardless. Um, so I, I agree there too, but, you know, I, I thought he hit Elijah Moore on that fl- that corner route. Like he knew where he was going right off right off the, the, the play fake to come back and get his eyes there and, and hit that. Some early stuff too. Uh, like I think he got to Goodwin on both those deep balls. I thought his eyes maybe a step slow getting the ball out to, to Goodwin on those. But but again, I think that had more to do with, again, both quarterbacks talked about the heaviness of the football on that one. I think those underthrows might have had a little bit to do with that um more than more than being late or obviously he was an underthrow but i didn't think he was particularly super late on those but maybe a step slow but yeah i i thought that their timing routes were really good he i mean he hit cooper on a couple on a couple quick outs um new pre-snap i'm going on you know you got man coverage off man let's hit that and then he did uh the 12 yard throw to, to dpj might have been his best throw of the day i don't know if you felt that way he threaded yeah. it between two defenders along the sideline uh i thought that was a a, a pretty fine throw uh, outside of that, I, I thought there were times in the first half too. They're running a lot of spacing concepts, and I just didn't feel like there were receivers op- open. To be honest, as well to, to mm-hmm. some extent, but um, so they didn't yeah. run a lot of man beaters. Like I thought that they no. planned on um, when the game started. Let's put it this way, Corey. I thought when the game started, they got a sense the way we got a sense that okay, something's off with Joe. Like. If we just take care of the football, we punch through field goals, we don't have to break ourselves here, we will win this football game. You could just sense it. The, the couple throws that he made that like almost went backward, like you you just had a vibe that they thought, okay, let's just do what we do. Let's run it. Like you said, we're going to go back to a little bit of our comfort zone in this chaotic weather and see if we can just take care of the football. And again, if you don't have a Jerome Ford fumble, if, if Watson just, you know, just take off and pick up seven yards on that run instead of throwing back across your body, then you're in pretty good shape, man. And you're probably putting up a 30 burger in that game. So like there's little moments and you said he's hanging and he's trying to throw and it's reminiscent of Josh Allen for me. Josh is trying to erase history of pain in one play all the time. Hey man, sometimes the best doing this stuff, just take what the defense gives them, right? Mm -hmm. Just take what the defense gives you. Now, if Marquise comes down with that first one, uh, off the little trick gadget play that was really fun. Shout out to Kevin for taking in some Kansas tape this offseason or whoever brought that to his desk um, with the with the double quarterback throwback stuff. That's fun, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, he hits that. If he puts it a little further out in the end zone so Goodwin can run under it or Goodwin just makes a heroic catch, right? Uh, or if on that, that it was a zero blitz, it was really well done by Cincinnati mm-hmm. to, to, to drive uh, an overload, right? 
and left Watson kind of thrown off his back foot. If he throws that a, a split second sooner, to your point, um, there's two chunky plays there, man. And, and again, Marquise Goodwin, I think most of us pin this down early in the season. Like that guy is pretty clearly going to be a five, uh, like a seven to 12 snap a guy game and just, hey, man, go deep. We'll find you. We'll try to take advantage of it. So I think it's it, when you when you peel it apart and look at it, a couple big plays here or there, and it's a really great game. He's got some stuff there where he's got to stop trying to go back to being the hero on one play. You don't become the guy you used to be on one play. You just don't. So just take what the defense gives you. Trust what your eyes are seeing. Don't be deceived, and, and you'll be fine. And I think that he'll get there. He's just got to calm himself down a little bit, man, and believe what you're seeing. I think that's a huge part. Quarterbacks can so often be told something black and white from the defense and they don't want to believe it and i couldn't that's the throw that you're talking about that elijah moore throw on the sideline where he's just kind of sitting there waiting let's check down it was honestly i hate to say it but it was baker-esque right where Mm -hmm. it's like hey man that guy's waiting on you to throw the football to him don't take that hit from crashing end and tackle just give it to him and i think watson's got to get there and just take a profit man take a profit and i hope that that's going to be a part of the preaching going forward I agree. Yeah. On the same page with, with, with quarterback, hopefully some, some nicer weather Monday night on a national audience is not going to be kind, you know, especially in Pittsburgh, it, the, the environment's not going to be kind to him. That new. And every eye on the nation is going to be on it's primetime football. So like, is this his first primetime game since coming back? Because there wasn't no, they, a no, they played a Thursday night against the Ravens last year. That's right. In the snow. I think it was either yeah. Thursday or Sunday night, but they played a, a night game against the Ravens last year in the snow that they've, they've won with Tyler Hunt being yeah. quarterback, but good call. Good call. But maybe people don't watch Thursday nights <laughs> late in the year. I don't know. Yeah, this is, <laughs> it is going to be a talking point. Pittsburgh people are going to be ridiculous to him. There's no doubt that it's going to be a challenge, right? Yeah. And he's kind of done again, done this to himself. He's put himself where he's going to, it's, it's going to be hostile everywhere he plays. So yeah. uh, moving on to running backs again, I think the biggest talking point we have about Nick Chubb at this point is that he moved to a shut F7 helmet, which is just such a clean look jarring he has not put that on in camp we have not seen that from him it's a great aesthetic i would if he'd slap a visor on that thing we'd be cooking with grease i know you and i are really into the equipment stuff look good feel good play good types here but i was i mean i know you text me but i think i had had it loaded up to text to you too like okay nick what are we doing out here man this is pretty this is a pretty great look for him so um and i think you had the pacifier mouthpiece in there too it's a you know new new year new nick right i think that's pretty yeah. great i've always thought like in madden whenever i play with the browns and madden i always give him the same helmet i don't i don't remember what, exactly what that brand of helmet is but I, I i always give him the fletcher cox face mask instead like the nice. the butterfly like the butterfly bars down the middle like we that, used to call these things mask. like three bar or two bar or there was like a robot name for helmets and face masks and i feel like now it's like it's almost like a Morse code out here with these helmet names and face mask names. So it's a bit confusing uh, to me, but how did you think Nick played? I thought anytime you get Nick with no gloves, it's always spicy. You know, you're getting this different robot, the Terminator out there. And I thought he was so meticulous and just, again, you talk about the quarterback, take what you can get type of mentality. Nick just is like, okay, you're only going to give me this. I'll take this. I will be very meticulous and give, take what you get. And I, I just, again, like he is Mr. Consistent to me. What did you think? Yeah, Nick is Nick. Like that's my that's that was my takeaway from this one as well. Nick is Nick. Like, I, what else can you say? You know, again, they got back to just pretty much running pin pull wide zone, a little bit of gap power with, with Keller pulling through through holes, but like all twenty twenty through twenty twenty two stuff that that they just fell back onto because of the weather. And it's like, oh yeah, th- this is their comfort zone. Like it's a nice fallback to have, but 
never any concern with his eyes. Again, he gashed him for 10 yards on one beautiful wide zone where he took a, like, they just washed everybody, everybody play side, put his foot in the ground and had the entire backside just to, didn't have to make a move, just 10 yards upfield, got it, boom, on to the next one. Like, just yep. Nick being Nick, you know, um, front side, backside, gap, power, wide zone, whatever you want to do, man, it, he's there. Yeah, he is. He's so comfortable pressing laterally in a unique way. And then, you know, if you want to if you want to haul ass down the line and say, we're not letting Nick make the crease that we're not letting him bounce it. We're not letting him sort of uh, put the foot in the ground and get vertical. Then we're, we're going to be susceptible to cutback. He's like, OK, after a couple of those runs, you're like, I can, I can figure out what you guys are going to do. I'll take that. Right. And he just you don't fool him very often, if at all. And I think that what stood out to me again and with his general performance is like, you want me to get out and receive the football a little bit more? Okay, I'm comfortable doing that. I'll prove it to you in wet conditions. He was four for four on targets. He Nothing was. crazy, but I like that little wind back concept off play action. It's, it's, you mentioned, man, we, teams are so rarely fooled by bootleg stuff anymore. And they it's it's an exposure thing. You're, you're spot on about it. So many teams see it in their own practices, let alone – other teams doing it so it's just it's just very rigid now for teams to defend it you get you get them every now and again where that like you said that over route corner which was like a deep over corner from elijah moore where he sells the over route to the boot side and i that's why i i'm such a fan man of putting the foot in the ground as a quarterback and uh, coming off those boot fakes and then resetting into the pocket driving up into the pocket i love those boot concepts because you're selling naked but you're not really doing that and I love that throw to Elijah it was a great concept. And then obviously really, really liked that little wrinkle of selling Nick on the wide zone play action that having him put the foot in the ground and slide back under the formation, like a wide receiver or a split mm-hmm. zone tight end sliding back on just a good wrinkle. So Nick looked comfortable catching it too. I, I think the question is how comfortable you are with Jerome Ford, right? I mean, I think he obviously had that tough fumble off of a really weird Watson bounce snap and, um, you know, he, he, he can't fumble that because at that point, the ball is completely and solely in his possession. But other than that, in field range, like you're in scoring range yeah. as well. Like, yeah, for sure. That was, that was tough. It's a tough way for a young player to come out and get their first real exposure to a meaningful role, but thought he was fine after that. The mop up duty stuff I ignore because it's just, it's nine, 10 guys in the box and they know the Browns are running it. But in live action, I thought he had some nice runs. He had a, he had a really competent run on a pin pull where I thought he got out bounced and, and shot mm-hmm. through where he needed to get through. And I, I still remain confident, especially the pass pro stuff was, was again, nice. Like there's a real role for him there to get 10 snaps a game. Yeah. I, I you're probably referring to the same run where, where he, he lets Teller get out in front of him real patient to, to stay behind mm-hmm. along the left sideline. Yeah. Beautiful run there down the stretch, beautiful run. And the pass pro stuff is so underrated. I mean, I was up at Berea one day this year and like, Stump Mitchell was was one of the coaches who had media availability, and like that's all he talked about. Was pa- like he didn't want to talk about anything else other than like, well, yeah, they got to learn to pass pro though. Like if you want to find the field, you got to pass pro. Like I remember it was specifically one and mention of of Dimitrik Felt. Like, oh, do you like him as your your RB three? He seems like a good receiving threat, change of pace, blah 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 blah. He's like, yeah, but he's got to learn to pass block, which he never did, and he that's why he's on Cincinnati's practice squad now. Like, uh, so that's so so crucial to what to what uh, Stump asks of them and and what they need to do, and I. And it's probably, I'm curious if it's to why, I mean, Pierre Strong's only been in the building for two weeks. So like, maybe that's why he didn't see it. He played some special teams, but didn't see an off, entirely offensive snap. Like, do you envision that, that he's going to see a snap down in, in Pittsburgh? Do you think they're just going to ride it out with Chubb Ford? I think they are. I, I think he's a, he's truly a, an injury guy. I, I don't, you know, I didn't, 
I didn't love him in the draft. I haven't loved him in the NFL that much. Now, again, if you get if, if Jerome is hurt or Nick is hurt, he'll play. And there's a level of baseline competence there for him. But I, I don't really envision some role just sparking up for him. Um, may, maybe. But again, it's like, do you really want that court? Like he's you want Jerome to get as comfortable as possible right. getting out there when he has to. And I want Nick. He's 27, 28 now. Like I want Nick. I mean, this is the year you cash in. Like I'm using Nick Chubb as often as I possibly can to be the best version and get that dynamic year or two out of him. I mean, you can't just keep saying, ah, we'll save him. And then he's 30. Like it's just eventually you got to use him for the guy that he is. And um, yeah, I hope they cash in on that. It seems optimistic to me after the first game here, but uh, I just don't see a reason to force that force a third player onto the field. No scenarios. Let it be a core special teams guy, uh, find his niche there and then get more comfortable in the offense over time. And, you know, if he has to take a role, he has to take a role. Yeah, I'm on the same page. Him getting on the field would, would mean that they don't love what they see in Jerome Ford, and I don't think any of us want, want that. Uh, so I, I'm completely on uh, the same page there. Moving to, like, tight ends, wide receivers. Hard game to take anything from him. Again, the conditions were, were god-awful, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, just, uh, again, I didn't think they, again, they didn't run a lot of man beaters, and especially in the first half. Even in the second half, it was just, like, a lot of, a lot of spacing concepts, a lot of, again, boot, flood, similar kind of things they've, they've done in the past, but um, just not a lot of production of the wide receiver. I liked Elijah Moore's usage. Uh, yeah. I, I thought he dropped one. He probably should have caught on that, that double slant, you know, uh, not the best throw, but probably a throw he should have hauled in DPJ didn't see much, but he, he had that again, tight window along the boundary catch. Like he always does. Um, and I think I'm, I'm more surprised. And maybe this comes again at, with better weather that, David and Joku's average depth of target is still like within five yards. Like, yeah, he's one of the most, probably the most athletic tight end in the NFL. Like he can leap out of the building. I, I would think. And again, the weather. Yes. Like at some point they got to put that guy up the seam, shoot that guy up the seam and see what you can do with him down the field. So I, I think that's where I'm more interested. Like, is that going to develop finally? Cause it did kind of down, you know, they ran that, that weird, like where he fake, he fake cut block, got up and ran down the seam and had a huge chunk play. Like when Watson came in, I think it was the Houston game. Like, are we going to see some more wrinkles like that? Like, like this is the year for this guy to, to make a huge impact. Yeah, I'm with you. I would like him to be um, a lot more active. I, I again want to make sure, and I know you're saying this too, the weather is real. And I think that they were just trying to be really conservative with some of this stuff. And um, maybe not push the limit a little bit. And again, the, the, the Bengals have a, a pretty, a pretty dang good linebacker group to cover those guys. I like, I like both those guys. So it, yeah, I would, I would like to see David down his, his depth of targets got increased. I think it will. I think it will. And I think that they, they gave that away last year, but I think that at the same token, they're kind of um, being very close to the vest in this week's game, but uh, wide receiver wise, you're right. I, there wasn't a lot of opportunity. We didn't think there would be, I wish Elijah Moore had a better ball on that, that third down play because, he really did a great job outside stemming and getting back inside Cam Taylor Britt. And Cam Taylor Britt was on the ground. So, like, I know, I know that play could have been really chunky. It could have been a 20 yard gain. And that's just a, another one of the first half struggles that Watson was having there. But um, for the most part, fine. I think David Bell's probably pretty mad at himself for dropping that seam ball. It's got, he's got to keep the eyes on the football. He tried to turn the outside shoulder head and, and get around and all that stuff. I know he's pretty bummed about that. But, uh, for, collectively, it's hard to be grumpy with those guys, right? I thought that that they were, they did the best they could with opportunities they were given in a really ugly football game. I think Goodwin's probably really mad at himself for the one ball that he let uh, let go there. But uh, you know, 
I think you would agree with me. It's just kind of a win and move on scenario for those guys. It's like that's glove when gloves are off. That's just hey, do the best we can, make the make the most of what we have here, kind of thing. And I thought that mm-hmm. given those conditions and what we saw from the Cincinnati wide receiver group, I think that they were fine, uh, and and I can certainly live with some of the results that they were able to put up in this one. Yeah, it, the usage was inter- interesting to me too. It seems like it, again, it could get a lot less indicative. They might do some more 10 stuff. They might do some more, you know, four wide receiver sets, things like that. But it, it really does seem like that they're just going to ride out with Cooper, Elijah Moore, DPJ, and then Marquise Goodwin, David Bell, Cedric Tillman all only played 10. There's like 10, 10, 10. Like you yeah. guys have your, your little sub packages, but these are, you know, these are the three guys. So that was a little interesting to me. Um, tight ends as well. Harrison Bryant. I'm glad he's back in kind of that move tight end three role where, he, you know, he's getting schemed open based off of play action. He's going to find space to sit like that. That's his niche you know, being forced into a a tight end two role. He's not a guy who's going to exploit down the scene. He's not a guy who's going to create mismatches. He's short armed. He's not athletic, blah, 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 blah. So, I mean, they did on that touchdown pass. Um, We'll see if (laughs) they can get a little bit still mad. He didn't get that. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So funny. So funny. And that's, that's a pretty good segue into the offensive line where people love to talk about the offensive line. So, um, I mean, we, we might as well start with it. We might as well start with Jedrick Wills. Like uh, why not? Um, I, you can, you can say what you got to say too. I thought a lot of what I thought was, oh my God, why is he doing this? Was, was corrected Mm -hmm. as you got closer to the second half. Uh, Again, I thought you can even when Dewan Jones comes in the game, uh, there's plays where it's like, these guys are setting at different angles. Like Dewan is is straight up vertical setting, keeping his spacing to tellers outside hip where, where, where Wills is just setting so wide. And I just, I don't know why. And so I think that's one of my, my biggest issues is like, I, especially with a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, if you're going to get beat, give up your outside shoulder, man. Cause if you give you give up your outside shoulder, you're still, you're still allowing there to be a bubble, a pocket for a quarterback to step up into. But if you yeah. give up that inside shoulder, which he was doing so much, especially against a pass rusher that he's historically dominated, like for all you can say about Jedrick Wills, he's had Trey Hendricks, number pretty much every time they played uh, not so much, especially early in this one, but that that's where I, my confusion comes in. Like, was this coached with like, was this a field thing? Like he was setting so far off of his vertical plane. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't understand. And then getting himself super parallel to the quarterback to like, he was driven. I'm not getting beat to the high side. I'm not getting beat to the high side. And then put himself in this position where all Hendrickson had to do was feel that he couldn't win the arc and then get up under his, mm-hmm. you know, Jed's right arm and lift him and be, and went back inside. And what's Watson going to do? You know, as a quarterback, I think that, Typically what you're just looking to do is find answers, right? Like I know that if my left tackle is traditionally a guy who, who will try to run people around the arc, then I know that I can step up and then bounce outside. If a, if a tackle's really aggressive to my high side, I don't feel like I can just bounce out to the left of the pocket, right? I don't have trust because it feels like guys are really upfield, right? You're not going to try to escape outside the pocket that way. If you feel like guys are really, really upfield, you know what I'm saying? But the thing that's interesting to me is that, like, if you do have a guy who, you know, if he's going to be a guy who's going to try to run people around the arc, I know I just have to step up and slide out. So you could see Watson was sort of uncomfortable with the idea that I can't bail out of the pocket to the left immediately. When I step up, he's at such a high depth point that as I step up, the, the edge is just going to collapse inside and take care of me there. So I think that, like, Joe Thomas talked about it a little bit. And uh, I think he was on Cleveland Browns daily and talked about really liking the technical side 
of what Jedrick is doing and having no problem with that, but he thinks it's a mental issue where he doesn't understand the depth of drops. If it's a three-step drop from from gun or a five-step, the difference in where his quarterback's going to be, and that's what he thinks is creating some of the chaotic stuff in terms of how he's getting to the top of his pass set, and then it's creating issues for Watson. So he thinks that's where it needs to get cleaned up. I think Joe is, I mean, Joe is as good a tackle as we'll ever see in the NFL, but I think it's pretty fair to say sometimes he can the analysis part of what he does can be a little hit or miss sometimes. I mean that with the most respect possible. Like I just think that sometimes you'll see these O-line gurus who either coach it or have been around it, say something a little bit different. And it's like, you know, for Joe, so much of it came easy to Joe because he's, he's a God given athlete in a unique way. We saw him do unique things for so long. I do think there's some of the mental stuff, Mm -hmm. but to me, it was a, it was a technical issue all the same because there's no reason your shoulders should be like that at the hitting at the, at the top. You know what I'm saying? It's such an easy path for an edge to be able to get back inside of you. If I just, Hey, all I have to do is run the arc. And then at the top of the arc, when he meets me at the top, just win back inside the quarterback's going to be waiting there, stepping up. Right. So I, it's frustrating, man. It's frustrating for everybody. I think it's, I think Watson's a little frustrated, but like you said, I thought it got a little better as the game wore on. And I hope that it can keep getting better for him because you know, he's so talented, man. He's so talented. Mm-hmm. He can do things from an athletic perspective that are very unique and you want to see him continue to develop. But there's just these times where you get really frustrated with why are you putting yourself in that position? You don't right. even need to do that. Like you're attacking so wildly outside and then you're trying to get this punch in when you don't need to get your punch in yet. And then it's turning your entire body parallel and giving a huge window to get back inside. They just have to clean that up. However, him and you know, he and um and, and and Deshaun get in the film room and talk about this. They can't they can't keep having this formulaic thing where it's the top of my drop five steps, I step up and then this this edge is in my lap. It can't mm-hmm. keep being a thing. So tell me what you're comfortable doing. Are you comfortable stepping up and sliding out? Okay, I'll encourage an upfield to rush that that turns the corner and then you can step up and slide out. Okay, do you want me to cut off the arc so that you can step up and then take one step up, sell that and slide out to the left laterally? Whatever it is, they gotta get on the same page. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And we, we chatted a little bit about this off the air as well. Like, and, and Joe Thomas has talked about it with, with Brian Baldinger. Like it's, it's one of those like viral clips that I see everywhere now, but he talks about hand usage and hand placement and that, that outside hand of Jed, the inside's pretty good about the, about the, the outside shoulder clip, clipping that outside shoulder, but that inside arm, he's like, he's locking it out that outside arm to the point where like, he has no leverage. Like that that elbow is just locked out. So like, yeah, if if a, if a if an edge gets in, into your 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 arm, like you have no give. He's not giving himself any give to like pull himself in and, and bear hug or, or or like leverage back out or reset his hands. Like you can't even reset your hands if your elbow's locked out. Like it's. Yep. So uh, you, you hit it on the head. I mean, I've I've talked about jet ad nauseum. I've written about jet ad nauseum. Like the foot. Like people say, oh, his feet are bad. No, he's not. His his foot speed is tremendous. I think his set is tremendous. I would say probably more first, second year. I thought his hands were excellent. One of the better snatch traps in the league. It's getting called a little bit more now, but some of the best hand resetting, like in terms of like the first, second year, I saw some of that stuff, but I do think you, I'm trying to think of, of a task. Like if there's a task that you rip over and over and over again, and you just can't get it down, like you get mentally frustrated with yourself. Like I've, I've, I've done it before. Like, and it just feels like you're hitting your head against a wall. And I think to a point you start to regress because like, I, I can't get, you know what I'm saying? Like, and yeah. so I think some of his hand stuff has regressed a little bit as he's trying to, to figure out all this other stuff. But 
It's, it's, I don't know. <laughs> I think Corey, I really do think it's just as simple as under like between him and Watson. How are you comfortable getting out of here? If I run a guy in the arc, are you okay stepping up? Right. If I encourage that, if I stay tight, if I keep the inside shoulder snug and I run him up the arc, are you okay with that? Okay. Yes. No, maybe. All right. You're not. All right. Do you want to step up, sell that? Like they just need to get on the same page. I've watched Deshaun Watson be successful with terrible offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. It's it, awful. Jed is not terrible. He's got things that he would like. We would all love him to be better at, but he's not terrible. So just get on the same page between the two of them. I think it's just, it's just little stuff here that is just sort of sitting there that I don't think we need to panic about if they can just, Hey, Jed, man, on these eighties concepts, we are, um, we're definitely looking to hit five at the top and get the ball out, whatever. Like, you know, this is what we're doing. Here's the depth point. Here's how you should attack it as a, as an edge guy, whatever, whatever. So, I, again, I'm not panicked about it. I thought Jed was in the right places the most for the most part. It's just mm-hmm. between him and Watson, how Watson's moving in the pocket. He's just got to just got to finish it, man. Which is, I know we've said it a lot, but I've seen tackles that can't do any of those things, and we've been spoiled, right? We've been spoiled mm-hmm. for a long time with some of the stuff that people that we've seen in Cleveland. But uh, I, I just I think that they can find a way to make it work. Is is kind of where I'm leaning into at this point. But the rest of the group was good. Dewan was good. We'll talk about him. But the, the the three inside guys were fine. I thought Joel was Joel. I think he got called for a holding, but I didn't love he the did. call. Yeah. But um, I thought I thought they were good. I thought I thought Postage looked like a, a little bit more like the guy we saw in the early parts of last. He had a couple plays where he got uh, a little leaky on a play action there that uh, cost mm-hmm. Watson a chance to step up and drive that ball into more before the interception. Uh, he should have finished that block a little bit better because that dig window to Moore was wide open at the top of the drop if he could have could have gotten to it right. Um, but yeah, they were fine. And Dewan was good. Dewan is a work in progress in the run game. He goes the wrong way once a game in outside zone, <laughs> and I know it's infuriating to to the group. I, I understand that. So he's got to get that little mental stuff down. But his pass stuff is is so clean. He just has a natural mm-hmm. feel for where to be and how to get there, and like. I am just very fascinated to see how TJ Watt goes about him because I think he won't TJ cannot consistently run through the torso of, of Dewan Jones. Like he mm-hmm. can't consistently do that. So he's gonna have to run the arc. Can Dewan keep up with him running the arc, right? And 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 hang in there the way that you need him to hang in. I'm just fascinated by what that match is gonna look like. It really sucks to lose Jack is twofold, right? Mm-hmm. The the money that he's been guaranteed, but also he's just a just a consistent dude, right? And a leader mm-hmm. in that group. And that that part of it sucks, but it is the one position I think where you're like, I hate to say it this way because it sounds so callous, but that you felt like you had somebody that could come in and be pretty competent from, from the jump. You know what I mean? I agree. I agree. And and again, hopefully as you know, the weather isn't as torrential, uh, you're not asking Dewan to, to get wide as often as you were in this one, because you were falling back on other old stuff. Like if you just, yeah. if they can again, incorporate some of those split zone, wide zone stuff or in, inside zone stuff that they were doing in the preseason, like, the track to a defender is a lot, a lot simpler for, for a guy like Dewan Jones. Um, not that it's like guaranteed or easy, but like it, it's a lot less strenuous than, than trying to, to bounce out to the boundary and pick up work at the second, third level. Like it, it just is, but his pass pro man, like for one, I, I, I just don't have any worries about his outside shoulder, even though I don't think he, he can get that much depth in his set because again, of his size, again, I think his feet are great for his size, but again, the depth's not there, but I'm just not worried about it. Cause he's got 38 inch arms, like 36, yeah. like, it, it, like there were times that, that Hubbard beat him on the outside shoulder. And then he just like put his arms out. Like, like that was it. Like, I, that's so why you I, want to talk I, about people are saying, why, why did the, why do you measure arm length? Right. Why do you do these mm-hmm. measurements? Well, that's why, because the margin for error is wider. 
for these guys who are built like Dewan Jones. So I, again, I know it's not the ideal first game for him and, you know, TJ Kemp coming off a really, really ridiculous effort. One of the only players to put up a great effort in their week one game, but uh, I'm fascinated with it, man. I really think he presents an interesting tool set to, to combat some of what, you know, what Watt is good at is he scares the hell out of you running past you. And then he takes that fear and puts it into your torso and tries to run yeah. through you. And it often works, right? It's what miles does too. Um, but I don't think Dewan Dewan will get, he'll get, you'll get punched in the mouth a little bit, but they'll help him. They'll be a bit more proactive about helping him, giving him a tight end, giving him a, a back to that side and leaking. And I like that stuff, Corey. I like when you mm-hmm. do that because it gives you sort of that delayed leak to the flat and some of that stuff that you can mm-hmm. really, you can really take advantage of. So um, I don't know. I, I just, it's going to be a fun week too, man. Yeah, I agree. The, the one thing that does give Dewan, like we saw in the preseason with, I thought Bryce Huff in that first preseason game got him a few times. Nolan Smith yeah. got him a few times. He does struggle with bend. He struggles yeah. with bend guys who can get underneath him because he's stiff. Like he, geez, he just can't get there. So I, again, Steelers don't traditionally do this. They usually just, you know, what plays over the right tackle and Highsmith plays over the left tackle, but Highsmith has some bend to him. So I'll be interested to see if they, if they cross over a little bit and, and kind of look to do that. Cause not that TJ Watt can't bend, but again, he's, he's a guy who's, who's looking to try to beat you through your torso. His long arm is, is dynamic. So and he's yeah. got that cross, that, that cross top as well. But I think that's it for the offensive side of the ball. Do you have anything else on the offensive side of the ball from a play caller perspective? Again, I thought Stefanski was pretty dialed in. Some more man beaters would have been nice. You should have known that was pro- probably coming, especially with the weather. But yeah, uh, it did seem like they just kind of fell back. Anything from from a play caller's pr- perspective? From you? No, he was good. Like like you said, I thought they were good. I, I did think that they miscalculated how much Anna Rumo would would just. I mean, they're aggressive. They love to play man cover. And I, I think that Bengals secondary is going to be good, which sucks because they figured it out. Because I liked, I know you were high on Dax coming out. Um, you know, I was too. And he's he's a, he's so rangy and athletic back there in the back half playing that free for them. And they trust Cam Taylor Britton. DJ Turner was pretty good in this game too. Like, they're going to be fine. They're going to be good. They're going to keep growing. They're going to get better. But Anna Ruma has no fear playing zero. He will get up in there and he will mug you and he'll play zero. And I just didn't feel like the Browns, calculated that the way they needed to but other than that like you said to be able to on the fly adapt put together some run stuff that was going to hurt them and and it did um and create some ways to to get some chunk throws off of it and he had answers for watson that watson just didn't find at times or didn't deliver i thought they were fine i thought they they did a pretty good job just one little wrinkle that I mean, again, you've watched Cincinnati as much as i have they they are going to be aggressive man they're going to get in that zero against you and they're going to make you they're going to make you think. I mean, th- think think back to what they did last year. Even in the Halloween game, they made they hit Jacoby a couple times right in the in the mouth coming in with that cover zero stuff. So they got to be more prepared for that and have some rubs and different things that they can do to to counteract some of that stuff because you can't you can't lose big plays because you can't figure out how to how to handle zero looks. You know what I mean? I agree, and I and you know under Flores at least, you know I, I wouldn't imagine it's going to change too much. But but Pittsburgh loved to run you know heavy fronts and get after you as well so it's it's not going to be a whole lot different this year but let's kick to the defensive side of the ball i think we we exhausted offense uh mm-hmm. this one might be pretty quick because it's it's pretty easy to point out what went what went right here <laughs> um first starting off with with the defensive line the edge let's start off with defensive ends so what i found most beautiful is that agbo okoronko played over 60 percent of the snaps in this game so they mm-hmm. found ways with frequency to put all three guys on the field and let all three guys pin their ears back. And a lot of times it was just Miles coming up the A-gap and like he's going to cross you over and he's still going to get pressure. You see it coming, it's like, okay, it's Miles. 
I mean, <laughs> I I don't think we have to be too tricky about. It. They let Miles cook from different directions. They put him <laughs> on both sides. They let him go. You know this. They let him go over a gap. Um, I I feel like for the first time, Miles really had input on what schematically they were going to do. Hey, where do you want to line up? How do you want to do it? And they let him do it. And he was he was himself. He was dynamic. Z is so fast, man. Like just. He is so fast off the football that it, it really causes some chaos. I mean, that first play where he just beats Irv Smith to the, play of the game yeah. off of split zone, man. You could see Irv Smith like, what the hell? And it set the tone for the whole game. He's fast. I mean, I don't think that Orlando Brown is a great matchup for Agua. He's He loves to do that spin move and then the fake spin back to the outside and not a great matchup, but they do enough with him. He's such a competent backup. Like, I just think that it's so the the signing or sorry the trade for Zadarius is so important, Corey, because mm-hmm. I like Okronko and I think he's going to have some matchups this year where he just embarrasses some guys. But against the elite edge rusher or uh, edge protectors, and, and I don't know if Orlando's elite, but he's pretty damn good. Uh, he's going to struggle and get overwhelmed by guys with length like that. So I wasn't surprised he didn't have five pressures. But again, you have Z, you have Miles, and they handle their thing. And I thought. Shelby Harris and Dalvin Tomlinson, man, those guys are exactly, I mean, you know, the grade stuff is goofy, <laughs> but they were doing exactly what you needed them to do. Eating up point of attack blockers, blowing up, redirecting runners, redirecting pullers. They didn't make a ton of stat sheet stuffing things happen, but when you watch them, you're like, my Lord, this is what competent defensive tackle play looks like. They're setting the table. They're the servers for the guys behind them. And they talked about this all the time. What are the linebackers' role? It's fix it, right? They're gonna it, yeah. they're gonna create havoc, and then you fix the havoc. And they did a great job of doing that. And I thought Jordan Elliott graded poorly, but he was energized and he made some effort plays. That's all you need. And, then, and more importantly, he's only on pace to play 400 snaps this season and not 700. So it's a good outcome. Plus, you talk too, and I know I I mentioned this in my pod a couple of weeks ago about don't be surprised if Siaki Ike is you know is act inactive in some games. This is probably a week that he will be active. Uh, they'll pinpoint some of those teams who want to do specific things in the run game that he can help against. So, um, you know, I don't think Jordan Elliott is a lock to be on the field every single game, but Maurice Hurst is fun too. I mean, he plays like his hair's yeah. on fire. He's limited. He cannot handle certain double teams and stuff like that. But if you put him on the field and some predictable passes or like in this game where, you know, it's going to be a throw situation for Cincinnati, he plays so damn hard. He um, so he's really fun to watch too. I mean, he didn't, like I said, he didn't have any great game change plays, but he's, He's just making life uncomfortable on the inside and having teams feel like, oh, all right, well, I guess they're going to create some interior havoc here is not something that they're used to when playing the Browns. Yeah, I, I clipped one play of Maurice Hurst. It was it wasn't even a play that he made, but it was that long mix and run along along the light side the, the right sideline. And Maurice is just mm-hmm. hauling ass in backside pursuit. Like he gets <laughs> like he's taking a great angle, and he would have he would have caught Mixon if, if Mixon did get knocked out of bounds. It was just uh, like a Maurice Hurst play, but. Uh, on Okronkwo before before I change subjects again, but I also saw he he threw a really nice long arm at Jonah Williams on the the Delpit slot fade defense. He threw a real nice long arm at him and pushed Jonah back into to Burrow on that throw as well. Uh, but defensive tackles wise, I'm interested by the snap count again. Elliott started in this game and he played more snaps than Shelby Harris, so like that's a little peculiar. But again, Shelby's only been in the building for a month. Like he might not be in football shape yet. We might get there, you know. Um, but again, Dalvin Tomlinson has the heaviest hands I think I've seen in the Cleveland Browns defensive tackle in a very long time. Like he is just like providing shock value off the ball. At least it, like he's stunning guards. He's he's penetrating a yard or two into the backfield. Like 
mm-hmm. with consistency. And that's huge. That's huge. That's uh, at least in the recent history, we've never seen that. Maybe what Sean Rogers was the last defensive tackle. <laughs> I felt like could really like, well, yeah. Sean was more of a plug too, but like could provide some shock value with his hands. And uh, I mean, he folded Cordell Volson on one rep or just like completely folded him. Um, if, if that's all he's going to do for $15 million, it's $15 million well spent. Like that's, it's just unreal. Uh, and again, it makes those, those linebackers jobs easier, which is also a pretty interesting topic uh, outside of one, one guy in the secondary we'll talk about, but like the linebackers got ragged on or the, the front office got absolutely trashed this off season because they didn't address linebacker linebackers, the defensive tackle of this year, the, they played so poorly, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Well, for one, I, I never felt like the linebackers played poorly like even with all the injuries, they're Tony Fields came beat on. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like Tony Fields came on things. and he looked good. Re- Reggie Ragland came off the practice squad and like gave yeah. you two valuable games. Like I think Tarver is a pretty good coach. I think those linebackers are pretty as, as far as defensive assistance from a year ago go. And you know, there's a reason they retained him over not Kiffin and not Howard and these other guys. But yeah, um, what was interesting and they did it last year, so not super interesting. They did it with with Walker and Phillips. They would they alternated, you know. Mike reps with those guys when, when they were both healthy, yep. but they did that again this year, but with Taki Taki. And, and I think that's a testament to Taki Taki one showing them that he can play Mike and not only play it, but he learned on the fly pretty damn well last year before he got hurt as well. Um, but I I'm very interested in by that. Yes. Walker played more snaps, but, but Taki Taki's ability to say like, no, I, I can be on the field in nickel sets. I can be on the field in dime sets is, is a pretty big discovery heading into to this season. And, and like, one for his own career, but two, like the Browns have another linebacker who can play Mike well. Yeah, he's he's fun, man. I, I the improvement of that guy from when they drafted him to really being only a specials guy to to now. And it's God, Corey, to come back from that ACL in week twelve, man, and be out yeah. there and be flexible. And the same for I mean, Walk's quad was certainly a thing where he's back out there sooner. I mean, he's got more time to recover, but I like having that dynamic. You know, if we if we say, hey, we have this issue where we can't keep some of these guys healthy, Walker's been hurt and Taki's been hurt, let's rotate them and have them both capable, right? And I think they did such a good job of having both of those guys ready and capable. They played well. I think that, I, I mean, I, I their goal to me, Corey, would be Taki on another deal. He's your mic. Pair him with JOK. And that's your linebacker unit, right? And and mm-hmm. you feel pretty good about that. They did do some dime stuff where they had Delpit, um, you know, they had they had Delpit come on to uh, play linebacker as well in their six DB look. So I'm really encouraged, man. I, I will see when the weather's better and a quarterback is playing, you know, a bit a bit more comfortably. But I'm really encouraged by the way the linebacker unit played. I thought Walk played fine. He's he, you mentioned he lost a step. I, I think that's fair. I mean, he's getting older and he's coming off of a pretty serious leg injury. I think that they would, if he was dynamic, he wouldn't be rotating. I think they, right. they respect the hell out of him. And he's mm-hmm. not he's not a net negative by any stretch of the imagination, but they they certainly think that Talk might be the guy for that role in meaningful games. So um listen, man, we it's exciting because I know you've been a talk believer and I I, I am too. He's just gotten better and better every year, and I, I respect the hell out of him. He he just developed from especially last year, beginning of the season in twenty twenty one. Like he's just always the guy who was your Sam linebacker. So again, only playing 15, 20 snaps a game when teams yep. were in, you know, base, base, base alignment. Like they were, they were presenting 12 personnel, 13 person. Yeah. That guy's on the field, but he's always a guy who's just done his job, done the dirty work. He's not afraid to lower his shoulder. He's not afraid to set an edge. He's not afraid to blow up a puller. 
And now he's developed into this guy like, okay, well, let's fill some lanes. Let's correct. You know, well, they're like the, the, this chaos. Yeah. Like we, we need great. a mic and it's like, let's just throw him out there last year. And they're like, oh, okay. He's this getting pretty good it. at punch. This guy can punch out. He can play the pass. He can come up, step up. He's physical enough to fill a fit and play and play against a guard and, and shock and shed. And like, all right. And he runs pretty well. And he's like essentially a program guy. I heard Mike Tomlin talking about this today and I was really I'm not afraid to say it. You guys might laugh at me. You might be pissed at me. Mike Tomlin's just my favorite coach in the NFL. He's he great. is just a, he's just a dude. Like he he shoots you straight all the time and I think he's really gifted at managing people and he was talking about how Donovan is this and 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 he was talking about Donovan and he was giving him some 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 credit and he was talking about talk. He was talking about these guys and he's like these are program guys that have come up in their program and I'm like you know, that's pretty damn cool to have some guys that you draft. And I know that the talk came from a different regime and all that stuff, but like to draft guys that are like the, that guy's been around the Browns for a while and he's come up and he's developed and they've done a good job getting the most out of him. And I heard him say that like four or five times about some different names. And that's what we want, man. And they brought in a different group and they didn't, they didn't wash out the babies in the, in the flush part of that. And, and we're seeing the benefits of having guys that can be plug and play types without giving up on people so early and, yeah. Um, is just a great, he's the, he's the defensive example of that exact thing. man. that's, that's really exciting shit. <laughs> going back going to the offensive stands. side of the ball for a sec, when you're, as you're discussing this, like what's crazy, we're talking about these player development, these program guys is that Jacob Roach, who writes for Browns wires at the game and said, David and Joku is the most vocal offensive leader on this team right now. Like yeah, David and, and Joku, that was the, like, that was the other one he, that he referenced that David's just grown up in the Browns organization. And yeah, go ahead. There's nobody who's grown up more than David and Joku in the Browns organization. I would say like yeah, from where he there. started his career, like Freddie kitchens, that guy hated David and Joku. John Dorsey hated David and Joku. Uh, Austin Hooper came in and signed that big deal in Joku, like the Rosenhaus situation, the, the trade request, the rescinded trade request, all of that. And he stuck it through became this dominant run blocker for a tight end, uh, which is wild to say. People tried to pin a drop on him on, on Sunday, but that ball was nowhere near his chest. Uh, he had to reach back with his backhand to try to grab that, uh, whatever. But mm-hmm. like that, it, and I think he's he's about to, he had a mini breakout last year, was on pace for a thousand yards before that injury, two different injuries. I, I think he's destined for like, he's he's just, I think he's this mainstay now of this, this guy's going to be a top eight tight end in the NFL until he retired and he's only 28 like (laughs) they just need they need some of those guys who are like oh this is your jason kelsey this is your whoever like these are guys that have like this is a 10-year nfl career all with the cleveland browns because they've seen success they've gone to the playoffs and all that yeah they've they've done a good job of retaining some core like think about it man you 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 still feel like in your soul like denzel and miles and and Nick and some of these guys are young. No, they're like kind of they're pushing not. 30. They're pushing yeah. 30 and they've been a part of our lives for like six years now. And that's, that's what you want. That's when you Absolutely. can become really competent. That's why you want to keep Grant Delpit around on another contract. You want to, you want to do some of that stuff so that you have this, like this tenured core of, of, of like, this is who the Cleveland Browns are. These are the core guys. And think about years ago when we couldn't, you couldn't do that. You couldn't name who's the core of the team. Well, maybe this rookie or, you know, miles is a second year player. Maybe he is, We've seen these dudes become men, and I, I, I'm just really hoping that this is the year they put it together. I, I think we, I mentioned Delpit there. I got I to gotta get it from you. Like, he didn't play in the preseason. There was that little injury he had before. Is Grant Delpit ready to do th- special things? Is he, is he ready to do it, or was it just a good game? I think he is. So I, I tweeted this out. Browns Alchemy also writes for, for Browns Wire with me. Great follow. Great follow. Amazing. He, like, if you want the ideal 
guy who is the perfect blend of shit posting and analysis. It's round dog. Hands down. <laughs> That's fair. Amazing. But we have DMs where we're, we like over the summer, we're saying like, I, I think Grant Delpit's brilliant. Like this is a really smart football player who got dinged by graders, got dinged like by some, some film stuff, but, but particularly by graders who graded him out very poorly because he's trying to cover mistakes of, of other miscommunications in the secondary. And, and I, I think one that's a little vindicated, it's probably a little early and there's really no way to go back and prove that without talking to John Johnson, Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom and him in the same room and trying to figure all that stuff out. But like, uh, I, I think he played fast, loose and free on Sunday. Uh, whether it is that Jim Schwartz, I'm not going to tell these guys to go over communicate outside of their minds and just let them line up and play whatever it is. But you pointed it out in one of your clips. They, they are communicating, but they're doing it really effectively and really fast and getting lined up and they're just yeah. playing. Uh, I think he's, I mean, I think he's ready. Six, three, two twenty. Like he's the ideal size speed combo you want from a, a safety that, that slot fade on T Higgins is impressive as hell. Like, I don't know if, if people mm-hmm. realize just how special of a play that was. Uh, it's pretty similar to, do you remember the Vikings game in 2021 where he tracked from the slot all the way across the field and broke that pass up? I do as well. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a pretty similar play. Like that's not easy for a, a, a big long safety to, to, to track ground like that, to, to, especially to hang on to T Higgins, who's going to make a shit ton of money this offseason. Like it's, it's an impressive play. Uh, steady tackler. Again, like he has been, he's a steady tackler. He's not afraid to come downhill, not afraid to hit. Like he can play at third level. He can play the slot. He can play the box. Like we might be talking about a pretty special season. Well, he, he, you know, that play is, Okay, well, what makes the special safety special, right? They're not just guys that you stick back in the back half and say, hey, man, cover some some territory and, and, One thorn and anchor that for us. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a $7 million safety, right? And that's right. got great value. You, you yes. don't want too many safeties who are like jack-of-all-trades. You do need some very esoteric yes. safety play at times. But the ones who are really gifted – are and I'm not saying that this is who he is, but the but the Winfields who we want to compare him to because he was drafted right after him, and um, you know even like look at the guys who are really good at this like like Derwin or Minka, those guys are able to go play slot corner and go match up. Hey, I need you to step down, play the box, and play this tight end and and effectively cover him whenever he does. And I'm just saying there's a chance for him to do that here. He showed it this game. He had 20 snaps in the box. He had 15 snaps in the slot and he had 20 something snaps in deep safety coverage. If he can do that stuff and last, he led the NFL last year and stopped tackles from the safety position. He was once again, comfortable at the second level playing that backer and coming up and making tackles. He had some great charge from the safety position and make tackles uh, efforts in this game. He, he has a chance here. He's finally far enough removed from this Achilles stuff. He has a chance here to be pretty special. I, I I really do because his LSU tape had some tackling issues, but it's very clear to me he has cleaned up the tackling issues. And if you're saying, mm-hmm. okay, this guy has tackling issues, and if he cleans those up, we saw him doing so many things at LSU that were dynamic, and they used him like a Swiss Army knife. They gave him the number seven. We know at LSU that is no joke to get that number. It is – um. I'm putting it this way. And I think this is something I'm trying to remember, Corey, for, for, for what we talk about this team. Grant was a high, high draft pick. He's this high second round pick. Denzel's a first Newsom's a first Emerson's a third, but we all know that they hit that park, that, that selection out of the park. Like to me, it's very obvious that there's so much talent here that teams are envious of. You heard Joe Burrow after the game, talk about how good he thinks Emerson and Denzel. And he thought Newsom was really good in the slot. They know it's respected. So it's just like, it's forgetting some of the stuff before 
these guys are high draft pick good players and if they can play in a system such as this one that requires them to do less thinking less reacting and hey just go play ball it's a chance to be pretty good man it's a chance to be pretty good so you feel really encouraged by what you saw i think they're going to put guys in the right position there are going to be some games where they get beat the nature of the beast right but I just I think you should be as a Browns fan really encouraged by the level of talent they have, but also now having these guys be more seasoned, right? Be more experienced and uh, in a system that I think allows them to apply who they are in the best way fashion, like the best fashion possible. So um, it's just like we we can feel a little bit surprised by this because again, Tomlin, I, I like listening to the opposing coaches and players because they tell you everything. Tomlin said the corners won that game for the Browns. He's like, yeah. they they allowed them to get crazy up front. They allowed them to blitz like mad, and they trusted every bit of who they are between those three guys to play out there. So um, it's got a chance to be fun, Corey. I mean, you always, you always kind of guarded. It's, a, it's our nature um, with this organization, but you have to remember that these aren't like seventh-round, sixth-round guys they brought in to just, eh, maybe. No, these are, these are mm-hmm. like, for lack of a better term, they're dogs. Like, they should be doing this stuff, and – it feels like they're finally very comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very interested. So with this particular week, I I've, I've said on this podcast, like on my podcast that as much of a Kevin Stefanski supporter that I am, I've never seen a Kevin Stefanski coach team that has been able to get punched in the mouth and punch back. So mm-hmm. like Tomlin's a perfect example. I never look at the Steelers on paper and be like, man, that's a really good football team. Like that's a special, but they always grind out games and they're not afraid to, to get in a fist fight with you. And they're not afraid to punch you and just completely wear you down and grind you down. And so that's what I'm really interested in going. They're coming off a really bad loss, really bad loss. They're going to run a lot more 12 personnel. They're going to throw Darnell Washington out there who, who was solo blocking Nick, Nick Bosa last week. Like they're going to try to just punch you in the mouth. So is this a defense? You got the spaced out. They're going to try to, to, and again, the weather that probably helped you out a, a little bit too, but you got the, the athletic spaced out. We're going to make you make you play sideline to sideline and, and cover every corner of the field. Now we're going to get, what are you going to do in a phone booth? And I think that's a really good two game sample size to say this team can win in a phone booth and they can also, they can also hang stride for stride with, with some, with some stallions. Yeah. Haven't gone two and zero since 93, right. Um, going to Pittsburgh. Haven't won there since Oh three in a regular season game, you do that, you start to get belief. You know, I think that I've said for a while that these two games were very important for the Browns to just prove we belong. Let's buck two trends right off the bat and tell this, like tell everybody we're, we're real, right? Haven't won a home opener at a season opening home game since Oh four break that. Let's go win in Pittsburgh for the first time since Oh three. Let's break that. We're two and Oh, and then we start to roll into the Titans and we have a lot of confidence coming back home for two games. Like, I just think it is um, a situation with more mature young men than they've had in a while with a belief in the quarterback. I know that it wasn't great in week one, but they have a lot of belief in the quarterback. They, they refreshed what I thought needed refreshed in the defense and specials. Shout out to Dustin Hopkins, uh, giving us a chance to not watch every kick because we're nervous about it. Right. That's always fun to be able to look away during PATs without, without sweating bullets. Um, I, like I said, man, it's an older group at the right time now when 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 there's a real chance to to put some fun stuff together. So uh, talent is there. It is it is there. And it's just like you said, can they get punched in the mouth? Can they handle the can they handle the adversity and swing back? And that's to me like being older, wiser, better 
group, that's where you can have it. And guys like Thornhill, I know didn't play, but is a culture lifting type. Guys like Z, those guys who have been around can help you push through that adversity in the right way, you know, in the right way, be able to handle that stuff. And I just, I'm optimistic, Corey. I'm optimistic about where Thanks, they're so. at. Um, you know, I, I just feel like there's a real chance for them to be a special group. I know it's one week and, you know, a week one of reactions, but you, again, you, you're not talking about all these guys as super young players, right? You've seen them be good. You know, now that they're a little bit more mature and I think they're, the eyes are really dedicated and focused on what's most important here. And, 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 and it's an application thing. And Jim Schwartz, who I know is taken some heat from people who are in Philly, who, you know, Philly likes to bash every coordinator on their way out the door, it seems like, but I just think that it, the Browns didn't need some great makeover on defense. I think we all talked about this. They, they, they do some things similar to what Joe Woods did, but it's the better, it's a better, the skeleton similar, but it's a better structure of muscle around the skeleton mm-hmm. and it's a prettier face. It's just easier to handle for them. They've talked about it all off season about how we don't have to overthink the process and they're communicating. They're very into it and it's the right personality. And again, I don't want to downgrade Bubba because I think Bubba's a really nice addition to what they do too. So encouraging stuff, man. I don't mean to, to ramble on there a little bit, but, but there should be like, there should be no fear going into Pittsburgh. Like we've traditionally had fear. They should be ready to go and there's no excuse. And, and I don't think there will be an excuse. I just, I, I hope I'm right on that. I really do because they're more talented. They really are. Yeah. Uh, again, it is week one, but one of my favorite things to do when I watch all 22 is, is try to catch like the, the Easter eggs, like the red balloons, you know, when people try to watch for red balloons on tape, but like the post snap Easter eggs of emotions of excitement of celebration. And like, you could see Denzel Ward break up a pass on one side of the field and Martin Emerson's freaking out on the other side of the field and they run and meet in the middle. And they're like, uh, you know, Ogbo Karanko's dancing after every single stop tackle, after every single sack, like Zadarius Smith is very, very emoted. Like, I, it, yeah. There's Defense is emotion. Energy. It's emotion, yeah. right? And the, I, I love the quote that came out about Schwartz saying, if you don't celebrate, it's a loaf. It's a loaf yeah. on film. And that's like one of the worst marks you can have as a defender. So you're right. It's it's very fun, man. It's very fun. And they should be having fun. That's why that's what makes football interesting for your guys to have fun. Absolutely. I completely agree. Jake, before we close out here, do you have, do you have anything else? Anything else? I do not. I, I'm looking forward to this Pittsburgh game. I know Pittsburgh's missing some important pieces, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Cam Hayward fan from his from his time in Columbus. And he has been a <laughs> I won't miss not playing and missing him. Okay, <laughs> Let me take that back. Let me rewind there. I won't miss not watching him on Monday. You never want to see a guy like that who's such a good dude uh, get hurt in a serious way this age. But uh, he's huge to their run game. So the Browns have a chance there. They obviously were thin. I, I think we could all agree that they're top two wide receivers are talented, but thin, if anything happened to them physically. And we watch now Deontay Johnson's going to be out for a little while too, but that doesn't mean that you can relax and think you're going to waltz into that environment and win that football game because Pittsburgh is, they're known for winning gritty games. They have no business being in. So that's uh, always something you have to be very cognizant of. Right. So um, yeah, it's just, it's the right test, Corey. If they're serious, and they're really going to be taken serious. You got to go win this football game, right? If you sleepwalk through this game and you go you're there and get you lay in the mouth, egg, yeah, they'll get hit in the mouth, and it'll be like, oh man, that's really disappointing to feel like it's a lot of the same old stuff mm-hmm. there. So I think this game is every bit as important as Week One. We all talked about how if they lost Week One, which was possible leading up to it, like they got to get Week Two. I still think you lose so much momentum 
from week one if you lose this week two game, given what's happened to Pittsburgh. We saw from them performance-wise in week one and the people that now are not going to be on the field. So the Browns need to go get it. It'll be huge to go 2-0 and in the division right off the bat and put themselves in a really good spot. It would be, especially when you consider, again, you can't you can't look ahead of any team in the NFL, but the Titans are not a good football team. Like, that roster is terrible. That offensive line is terrible. That receiving yeah. court is terrible. Tannehill is clearly in the decline. Like, again, without looking over week three, like, you have a real chance if you come out of Pittsburgh and you show, like, no, we can we can win these, these slugfests as well. Like, there's a real chance you go to Baltimore in week four with a 3-0 record, with a chance to start 3-0 in the division. Like, that's, that's yeah. huge. Um, and, again, we all, I think everybody in the Cleveland market knew – this is this team's a contender. Like they pushed all their chips in with the moves they made in the offseason. Uh, and I think it's so funny to watch like these power rankings that come out, the, you know, the Tuesday after week one, the Tuesday, the Tuesday after. And now it's like, oh, the Browns are real. The Browns are real. The Browns are real. You'll still get the, the little the little Watts, the Watson quips. Those will never, never go away. But like it's like, oh, yeah, you guys are it's about to, it's just an indication that nobody watches Browns football. Uh, when, when, unless they have a reason to watch Browns football. And I think that this season is, they're going to give a lot of people the reason to watch Browns football. So that's really exciting. Jake, as always, I'm sure this won't be the last time we hook up. Uh, thank you so much. Hey man, my pleasure, Corey. Anytime we can catch up is a good time, buddy. All right. That's a wrap on today's episode. Thanks to Corey for having me on. Make sure you're checking out his podcast, Nothing Rhymes with Orange. Thanks to you guys, most importantly, for stopping by to consume more OBR Film Breakdown content, making it a part of your everyday ritual. I will be back tomorrow. Jordan Zerm, Andrew Spade, we get together to look around the entire NFL, talk about the big talking points around the league, have a little bit of fun. It's your midweek episode. I think that is... Uh, a really important episode to sort of change pace before we dive into the Steelers and get pretty serious about how the Browns go about beating those guys. So again, rate and review the pod. Greatly appreciate that. And join the best Browns community over at the OBR.com where we have great deals going on every single day for an annual membership. Guys, do it. You won't regret it. I appreciate you being here. Have a fantastic Wednesday, guys, and go Browns.